0: Hey folks, this is Steve Bradley coming to you once again as God's wordsmith, and I want to talk today about the arrest of Jesus, and I've titled this message, In the Garden and Arrested, Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 55. I have to say, I have to offer some initial thoughts here. First, however, it's difficult for me to go through this section because even though it's the most important in the Gospels, each time I arrive at it, I shrink from doing it because it evokes emotions that I simply cannot convey to you. Well, I suspect that it does this with everyone who truly understands the events and This was a necessary time. It was for the best. The Lord chose this. Our salvation hinges on it. However, when I see him in the garden asking his father that this cup might pass from him, I feel a deep impossible to communicate sorrow that it had to be this way. I don't like to talk about the death of Jesus. But... It is the most important event in the entire universe. And he did it for you and me, but it cost him so much. So let us try to be respectful as we enter this Holy of Holies of the life of Jesus. And let us be aware that this was not some insignificant event It is the event on which everything in the universe hinges, and I'm not exaggerating. I hope I can communicate just a very small part of this reality to you. Here are the verses, Matthew chapter 26, 36 through 56. I know I had said 55, but it's 56. And it says, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, "Sit here while I go and pray over there." And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply, deeply distressed. Another gospel says he was sorrowful unto death. Then he said to them, "My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death." Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Luke says they were sleeping for sorrow. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer, had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, Sees him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear, And in Luke, uh, we're told that he put it back on. But Jesus said to them, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? That would be between 50 and 60,000, by the way. How then could the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me then. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. The contrast folks in this section are quite amazing. Jesus is in an agony of prayer crying out to his Father that this cup might pass from him if possible. The disciples are sleeping for sorrow as another gospel says. They were unable to rouse themselves to watch and pray. Through all of this, the suffering in his spirit, the inability to communicate what he's going through as he yields to the Father's will, the sleeping disciples, His resolve grows until he is able to yield his life to the murderous lust of the Jewish leadership. As it's written elsewhere, he set his face like a flint so that they could never break him and yield himself up to death, even death on a cross. Jesus repeated this prayer three times because he needed to. And folks, this section reveals the humanity of Jesus like nothing else in all that's been written about him. Death, he was willing to face that. But the real issue, as we will see later at the crucifixion, involves separation from his father as recorded in the gospels. That was a different story. Sometimes, folks, it doesn't matter to us what the outcome will be because the suffering that precedes it looms so large. And the prayer in the garden made that outcome matter, that he would have to go through this, but he would make it through and go to the other side, resurrection and glory. Now I believe that it was that prayer that gave him the strength to give himself for us. As it's written, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and he is the atoning sacrifice, as John says, not only for us, but for the whole world. That's from 1 John. He paid for us. He took our sins in his own body on the cross, setting us free from the power of darkness and transferring us into his kingdom. The disciples didn't understand this. They viewed the crucifixion as the end of all hope, the disaster of all disasters, the worst thing that had ever happened. But in reality, it is what made hope materialize into reality. He sa- as he said after his resurrection, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? Yes, yes. Once it was done, It was a good thing. So let's talk about the final betrayal and arrest. The following events are full of revelations about people. The evil of Jesus' murderers, the weakness of his disciples. We'll deal with that a little more later. But it wasn't only their weakness, it was also Jesus' will. The hypocrisy of Judas, the doomed efforts of Peter, Jesus puts these men on the spot at his arrest. He says, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Jesus believed the Bible, folks. He believed that the word of God would be literally fulfilled. And it relies on that in this verse. Second point is that Judas is well and fully outed. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? The Jewish leaders probably made him in order to identify Jesus because it was dark, they couldn't see, they had light, but there were a bunch of people around. So Jesus says, friend, why have you come to point out to Judas himself and to everyone around that Jesus knew everything about Judas from the very beginning. So Jesus' disciples do try to resist, but they have no success. They came and laid hands on Jesus and took him, and suddenly one of those who were with Jesus, it was Peter, by the way, stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. In other words, he missed. That sword was meant to go through the head of the servant of the high priest, Malchus' head, actually cut off his ear and we are told in Luke I think it is that that Jesus simply went and picked up the ear and put it back on. Quite amazing. Jesus responds to these murderers and to his disciples but Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father And he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels. How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must happen? Zechariah's prophecy is fulfilled. I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus quotes that earlier. And then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Now, what's not recorded here is that Jesus actually commanded this. In John 18, 8, Jesus answered, he says, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled of which he spoke. Of these, those whom you gave me, I have lost none. The disciples were released. They didn't just flee. Jesus made the guards let them go. He limited their authority. And so there's more to this, so here's some context. The entire scene was managed by Jesus not by the company that came to arrest him. And it's not clear from this passage. But when we get to John, here's what we see. In John 18, verses 4 through 7, Jesus, therefore, this is the same scene, the guards are there, they're standing in front of him, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come, went forward and said to them, whom do you seek they answered him jesus of nazareth and so they're standing there and they're all proud that they've got their sticks and their swords and everything and they're going to take him and probably do all kinds of nasty things to him and the disciples so when they answer jesus of nazareth jesus says to them i am he And this is the most amazing thing. Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Now this is quite an amazing event because it reveals to us who was really in control. These people were not a group of people who decided to do what they wanted to do and they did it to the very extent of their desire, Jesus gave them permission to arrest him. They could not have done it otherwise. He is in control of this entire set of events. This is why they let the disciples go. The Jewish leaders had intended to arrest them as well but they had no power to do that. They didn't only want Jesus. They wanted to end this crazy Jesus movement once and for all. <clears throat> Jesus did not let that happen. Jesus let them do only what he permitted. And here I recommend you read this first section of John chapter 18. The events are the same, but it sheds a light on those events that is completely different. Jesus is allowing these people to arrest him. As he says in Matthew, don't you think I could call him my Father and he would send more than twelve legions of angels? And of course a Roman legion was between four and five thousand. If you haven't figured it out yet, the Father was furious. But he and the son had agreed upon this in eternity past, that the son would die not only for the sins of men, but to destroy Satan's rebellion and cleanse the universe forever of evil. Going back to the angels, one of these angels, by the way, destroyed an army of 180,000 Assyrians when they attacked Jerusalem during the time of Hezekiah. They did that in one night. And nobody in the city even woke up. There wasn't a lot of screaming and yelling and fighting sounds. Those people just died. The death angel that destroyed the firstborn in Egypt did it in a few moments at night. Jesus was in control. In control but he had decided to give his life for you and me. Here are some final thoughts. Jesus allowed his arrest. It was his purpose. And Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 10, explains it very well. Paul is writing here, and he he writes, Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, and by the way, that word form means inward form, outward form. He's in the form of God because he is God. He did not consider the thing to be grasped after. The original has something like robbery, but that's what it means. To be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. He emptied himself. He took the form of a bondservant. Again, we have that word. It's that what is outside reveals what is inside. And coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The most horrible death that they really had back then. There were others that were bad enough but this was terrible. Therefore and here's the point, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. If you confess Jesus as Lord you'll be saved. If you believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's what Paul says earlier in Romans. So God also highly exalted Jesus and gave him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, listen to this, every knee will bow. Every knee. Those in heaven the angels, those on earth, the men, those under the earth, and I don't know what those are, but God does, all these beings, whether they're animals, men, spirit beings, whatever, they will bow to Jesus Christ. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And unfortunately, folks, for some it's just going to be too late. You can either confess him now as your Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, or you will confess him later because the angels will stand by and force you to do it. Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection are the central events in the history of time and space. I know many people wonder what those the center of everything is. It's not what is commonly called the Big Bang because the Big Bang didn't exist. God made the universe. He made time. He made space. He made everything that exists out of nothing. The Bible tells us that he flicked the stars off his fingers like drops of water. And yet Jesus' death on the cross are the central events in the history of time and space because in Jesus' death, he destroyed death. He destroyed him who has the power of death who had the power of death. He destroyed all evil and that will become apparent as the times of the end arrive and consummate with his return and as Jesus Christ, our Lord, takes the power and authority that is due him. And folks, this is why we worship him, because he is indeed the Lord of glory. God bless you all. This is Steve Bradley, God's wordsmith, signing off today. Bless you. Have a good day.